Hello and welcome to Temple Bar Tradfest podcast. I'm Ruth Smith. And I'm Kieran Hanrahan and we're coming to you from the Oliver St. John Gogarty in Temple Bar in Dublin and we have a very special guest with us here. He comes from one of Ireland's finest ever musical families. <laughs> He's a singer, a songwriter, a musician with Stockton's Wing, a former chef and now a celebrated publisher and author. He's their brother, Mike Hanrahan. Mike, you're welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to be here, as always, yeah. That's the first time we've had uh, that particular introduction to you. Yeah, I, I'm author now, apparently, yeah. I remember being at uh, a recent deal with HarperCollins, my publishers, and they gave me a, a, a tag, and it was Mike Hanrahan, author. I said, oh my God. <laughs> yes, I've arrived. Well, it's a ver- very civil uh, conversation there now between the two of you. I hope we'll get into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty uh, family affair um, in a little while. But Mike, thank you so much for coming in to join us. I know it's been quite a busy week for you now, having launched your book, um, you know, having that out into the world. How does it feel to have given birth to it as such? I think yesterday when was probably the most amazing day of my life. From a career point of view, it was the greatest career day of my life. And I did nothing. I sat at home and I watched people... Uh, text me, send me pictures and photographs of them buying the book uh, congratulations coming from other writers and the publishers delighted and I sat and I had a grin from ear to ear and I've never experienced anything like it and it never left me, I can still hear today, I can't believe that finally uh, two years of work is out there, it's in the shops and, and, and people are buying it and, and you see photographs, I was in a, a bookshop yesterday and signed a couple of books for, for Dubray and there was my book in, on the shelf and I'm really proud I'm proud of, you know what, I'm actually proud of me for a change. Gorgeous. That is gorgeous. And, and like you mentioned, two years of work, but really this is a lifetime in the making, this book, because it is so infused with everything from your personal life, your, your professional music career, and your passion for the culinary arts. Yeah, and I, I take it from the start. My life has always been on a parallel line of food and music, like since I was born. My mum was an amazing cook. Our house was full of music. It was a music house. All of us played music or danced or sang or something. So the music surrounded us. And from an early age, I had that love of food and music. And I brought that right through my life. I talk about and write about it in the book. And I even got into being a professional musician. Even in the band, the stories about the band. We had no money when we started. And we cooked our own food in the van when we were traveling around. That's, we slept in the van. It was, our, it was our home. So I talk about that and I give a few nice recipes. And, and then move on to the people I worked with in my life. And we were always connected with food. I mean, not many people know that Ronnie Drew, I spent 10 years with Ronnie. He was really an, an amazing uh, Spanish chef. He cooked Spanish food, like, specifically Spanish food, because he spoke fluent Spanish. So he was, he was in love with everything about Spain, and his food was amazing. So our discussion were always, was always about food and music. And it, it is incredible how that passion for a, a particular culture or, like you said, about growing up in a house that had just music and, and, and food and that sort of nourishment. Because food is such a, it's a practical thing. We have to eat, we have to fuel the engine. But when you bring it to that level of it being a passion and something that you enjoy, you suddenly connect with people. Like, food connects people. Like, we break bread together and we get to know one another over a kitchen table or over a, a meal that you've put a lot of love into. Um, creates a lovely kind of platform for connecting. Big time, and I think it's like when we go on the road. All the people I've worked with, professionals I've worked with, the, the, the older guys like Finbar Fury, they all taught me that the gig is the centre point of the day. No matter what, you wake up in the morning, it's all about the gig. But during that day, you wake up, you have breakfast, you travel, you have a little lunch, you do the sound check, and then you sit down and you have dinner together, and it's always together, and you, you exchange stories. So 
Food is really important. It's so important. And it's important to enjoy food. I, I, did, a, I did a blog this week for Dewbread. They wanted me to write a blog about food. And there's a great thing in Irish, Irish food. When we cook, we work. We work really, really hard to, for a dinner party. We bring people over to the house. We're working all week getting it together. They all arrive. You're up to high dough. They all eat the food. Amazing food. And then they say, thank you so much. And you say, I should just with nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it actually was something. Yeah. So we as a nation should learn to, to em- embrace the fact that we really like to cook and we're not bad at it, you know. I'm amazed actually, Mike. Uh, we're so many minutes into this chat and you haven't used the phrase, as it says in my book. <laughs> uh, well, as it says in my book, I haven't actually. <laughs> no, I haven't. And, and uh, I let the book speak for itself. Okay, we'll mention it often enough here. Actually, I'm just curious there, Mikey, you're talking about uh, when we were on the road. I've read some of it so far, but not all of it. And uh, did you put in any of the recipes that we used on the road in the pressure cooker in the back of the van? Yes, I did. I, I did, indeed. There's a, quite a few recipes. There's a, there's a, a, um, a chili paddy carne, I call it. And that was in honour of our time when we went down to Mexico. We went in, the, in, the, in the, the, the RV van and we ended up on the beach. And in the morning, we, we got so drunk in the restaurant uh, eating chili that the following morning, we, all, all seven of us hired horses on the beach and we had the magnificent seven riding off into the sunset. So in honour of that story, I, I put in the chili paddy carne. And of course... We spent so much time in France in the early days. There's a, a castle in there, which was one of our go-to dinners on, on the road. And, and we had some great times with that van and that pressure cook that my mum, our mum gave us and we never gave back to her. <laughs> that was great. Um, another thing, actually, and I'm curious about this myself, you said it was the proudest day, of one of the proudest days in your life, that this, the proudest day probably in your career, that the book was actually published. And I suppose from the family point of view, we're all proud that you've achieved that. But what about your first solo album, Like, Would that not have been up there? No, not with this, no. My first solo album, I, I, I recorded after leaving Stockton's Wing, and I had, you were on it, when you had, Ronnie Drew was on and it was grand. It was released in Germany by a German label, and it was. But I was used to releasing albums, you know. That was what we did. Every year we had an album released. So, no, this is this is on a different level. Even when I got my cert in, in Ballymaloe, or when I got my first job as as a head chef, they were all key time moments in my life. But nothing will ever um, eclipse what I felt yesterday, and still do today. Nothing. So you're not doing much chefing now and you're playing a bit of music, so are you just going to go on the circuit now and give up the music as well and become the author to be interviewed? Yeah, but I'm bringing the guitar. Huh? I remember, you remember Dad used to always say, like, should, uh, when, I, when I first left and I wanted to go on the road and, and my mum was, was, was really bothered, and our mum, and uh, Dad said, sure, Mary, uh, once he has the guitar on his back, he won't go hungry. And then I think that he would have also said when I was a chef to so once he has the frying pan in his hands, he won't be, he won't go hungry. <laughs> so, said that all right, yeah. so I think I'll just keep going with that. And there's a few book tours coming up, which I'm really excited about because it gives me a chance to to do something different rather than the normal book uh, speeches. I'm going to incorporate music, incorporate nice stories, and, and it's different. Just me and telling my story, and I really am. I feel so elated with my life now. There's something, there's something quite um, powerful about that. You said telling your story, you know, and taking your place within your own story is being the author of it and that agency that you get when you put this story together. And 
you know, when you meet a lot of people, and I'm sure you have over your career, who are multi-talented and multifaceted, and you know they can do many things. Like you've got your, your musician's hat and your chef's hat, and now you've got your author's hat on as well. Um, but there's real a real sense of kind of the sweet point where all those things come together, and that's what's happened. I just have that lovely image of you with the smile on your face, just watching it all unfold. And like Kieran asked you, you know, does it not compare to your your first solo album or? It's almost like all those strands tying up together. You know, that there's method in the madness. I knew what I was doing all along. I was getting to this, this point. Yeah, I think you might be right because I always felt I had to write the book to find out why I switched from uh, music to food. There was, uh, there was something nagging at me. Why did I do it? And I left the music business like in a really bad state because I was, I was low. My, 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 my heart was down. I had been destroyed by the business uh, emotionally uh, because I was involved in Imro and that, that destroyed my life in the end, that business, that hardcore business. And then trying to struggle as a solo artist. So I was at a time, and then Ronnie Drew was diagnosed with cancer. And that, that was the time where I hit my, my low. And out of my low, I became a chef. So, and I grew into a different world. I, I was in the world, no one knew anything about me in, in the kitchen. And it was so beautiful to kind of re- read invigorate yourself and get back in and you realise, yeah, I can actually cook as well mm-hmm. and I can find my way back to the music mm-hmm. and that's what I did and I'm and that's why I'm happy, Jesus, I'm delighted yeah. And there is, I see a trend, you know towards like looking at, you know, medicine or food as medicine um, and we're really looking at that kind of nourishment, that kind of uh, nurturing that you can have when you look after, you know, self-care and as you said you hit an all-time low and found your way back to, mm-hmm. to good health and, and well-being through this nourishment of yourself as well, B- big time because you learn to find you learn to st- step away from the madness and mayhem of, of of the music industry, which was all my life, all the time. And you learn to look at yourself, and you and you come out of that. I always describe it as. But he'd be back years ago, we used to watch the, the Tarzan movies, and Tarzan would fall into a lion pit. He'd be making his way out of the bear pit, and then the rain would would come in and and fire him back down. And he'd spend ten minutes of the movie trying to scrape out and grab onto things. That's how I felt at the time of my life. And food actually dragged me out of there. And the people I met in kitchens, and the friends I made in food. And gradually I started playing music then. Um, in terms of what you put into the book, um, w- were there any recipes that were inspired by certain people? Or did you find it difficult to decide what you were going to include and not? Yeah. I, I, I initially wrote 120,000 words. They only wanted 80,000. So poor Nora. Man, in my editor, I had a tough time trying to edit it down. But I, I chose the food that kind of had a, uh, an influence on me as a, as a chef. And then I used recipes from Ronnie Drew, uh, from Deirdre Drew. I used uh, some from Finn Fury's wife. And so I kind of tried to link that in. I have a recipe from Maura Conlon there, a recipe from Leslie Dowdle. And, you know, so t- as I tell my story about my life with these amazing people, I link it then with their, with their uh, passion for food as well. In, a, in an age when you can so easily readily kind of Google a recipe, you know, what will I make tonight? Google Jamie Oliver or whatever it is. You kind of were missing out in that transfer of, of recipes from people. You know the way that people would, yeah. would pass on their recipes and, and then any time you'd make that piece of, or make that pot of food, you'd remember the person. Yeah, absolutely. And my name Google is great. We'll be, we'll be Googling Mike Hanran next. Hang on, I'll Google Mike Hanran and find yes. out about that. It I, be a I, Google ca- affair. I, I call Google, my, Google is my head chef. 
Uh, Mike, we're going to ask you, but we'll maybe come back to the book uh, yeah. maybe later on during our chat, but we're going to ask you about this song that you recorded actually with uh, the band last year. It was live at Tradfest. Now, you have a huge show coming up in January 2020 with Stockton Zing and some very, very special guests. But before we talk about that, uh, we might have a listen to We Had It All. Here's the chorus. We had it all. We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made of We had it all We had the best of times The best of times We had a life We had a life That dreams are made of We had it all We had the best of times we had a life that dreams are made. We're carried away now. <laughs> There's a sailor gone to sea. Only he knows how it feels as he bids a fond farewell to all his kin. As he walks along the shore To his love he throws a rose I return again In winter or in spring We had it all We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made At the station she boards a train She's all wet with tears and rain And a father holds a mother's empty hand Of all the things you'll need to know She whispers as she goes What I have I hold forever Right here in my heart We had it all we had the best of times, we had a life, we had a life that dreams are made of. Where that wilderness still reigns An old man, he takes a flower in his hand How oh, I've watched you bloom and fade All that beauty you create I'll take with me that pleasure as we part We had it all we had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made of We had it all We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made of 
One more throw Yes, we had it all. We had the best time. We had love that dreams are made. Look out for that in the next few weeks. Mike Hanrahan and Stockton's wing there with We Had It All. As Kieran mentioned, you've got a big gig coming up in Tradfest in January 2020. And uh, what do you plan for the gig? And you're calling it Stockton's wing amongst friends, is that right? Yeah, we've been doing reunion gigs and rejuvenating gigs and re-all sorts of gigs for the last few years. So Resuscitation gigs. Yeah, we've started a gig. We've, like, I think retrospective was the last one. <laughs> so we decided that next year we're going to come back and just return. So we're back on the road and we thought it'd be nice to, to mark that decision with uh, bringing our friends and, and that we've met over the years. Ralph McTell is coming over from London. In fact, I was just talking to him yesterday. He's looking forward to it. We've got um, all the old wing members that come, most of them are coming back. I think Kieran said he might, but uh, I just have my hand around him wrapped here now. I'm just <laughs> twisting his arm. We but can get Dewey Fettles banjo, maybe. <laughs> but we'll have, and Gavin Glass, some of the, the guys that we worked with on the, on the current um, Beautiful Affair song for, for Tradfest. And it's just going to be a, a, a time for us to come back, play our music. The Henry Girls are going to be with us. They're our back of vocals. So they're going to be in the corner like the, 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 all those um, the, Motown girls. Yeah, yeah, and, they'll be, and, and Lorna, I work, I work with, I really love Lorna, and I, I'm working with her on the songs, and they're so excited about it. And it's so nice to have the younger musicians excited about playing with the band. And then, lo and behold, in the middle of it all, Universal Records decided to um, buy the back catalogue of Tara Records. And we're their flagship release. So they're going to release a double album. We're actually signed again now, Ruth. Wow. We're a signed band again. <laughs> We've got a record deal, man. So You may stick to the music. Yeah, well, I've got, you know, as my father says, once I have the guitar yeah. and a record deal. That, that gig that we mentioned is Friday the 24th of January. It's in Dublin Castle, so Stockton's Wing, and like you said, Ralph McTell, the Henry Girls. Phelan Drew is there as well, which is lovely. Yeah, and we, we recorded a track years ago on an album called Light in the Western Sky. It was called The Golden Stud, and we used uh, a D.H. Thorough uh, line of, from his, his writings, and we used uh, Jonathan Ryan as an actor to, to speak that and it was powerful at the time so I wanted to get that back in to the gig and it had to be Phelan because for me it's that connection with Ronnie because I've I kind of have rare Phelan I've been with, with him since he was a very young man so I'm thrilled that he's involved I just have a question Mike you, um, you mentioned and we know uh, like about getting tired of the music scene and just it having beaten you up and you're back into it now so are you coming back with a different type of attitude? 100%. And I think I, I sum it up by saying that I don't want to take over the world anymore. I really don't. I just want to make the world I have and I live in, I want to make that a much better place for me to live in. And I want to enjoy the rest of my career. I want, I'm back writing songs. And I just want to enjoy it. I don't want to jump on any plane and travel around the world. If I can play it to 30 people and they sing my songs, and I'm enjoying myself. I, I, I sing with Eleanor Shanley. I sing with Leslie Dowdle, and they're the most amazing gigs that we do. We're in a different space, and they had a very different 
the new Mike for me yeah absolutely yeah. fantastic to hear renaissance man and Mike given that you had you know have had such a long career in the music industry and, and many other areas as well you spoke about being on the road how that can kind of beat up the system do you know mm. been on long journeys and flights and I, I kind of know have an inside knowledge of that given yeah. that I'm married to someone who tours a lot with music food is essential like you said it's all about the gig and kind of fueling the yeah. engine what advice would you give to young bands young musicians now who are setting out on that road of of you know that sort of constant being on self-promotion um creating trying to have your creative head on as well as your business head and just the the, the physical effort it takes to get out on the road and get heard um i would say um, with hand in my heart that the one area that we never uh, looked at and we were never dealt with and it should be dealt with is the psychological effect and we don't deal with that and i think that's really where uh, if you're a young musician look at the psychological effect because it has a seriously uh, damning effect on your psychology like when you think about if you go on stage if you go on stage and you're, you're building up to a gig and you've only got five people in the audience and everyone says I should the show must go on it goes on but the damage that does to you as an artist and you've nowhere to go to, to protect that if you release an album and it's a, and it's a failure not a failure it just doesn't sell there's nobody there to pick you up and I think I mean, I've been trying to talk, I've, I'm, I'm talking to, to Tradfest about trying to develop some area within the programme where we can actually deal with the psychology of, of performance and how to help uh, artists kind of cope, even if it's sitting in a room in a space where people can discuss and talk about it. And I, there's a friend of mine, Deirdre Nikaneda, a, a beautiful vocalist and a, a gorgeous writer, and she heals with people through her music. So... Between the two of us, we're hoping to, and I've spoken to people like Emma Langford, we're trying to get something going here in Tradfest that might deal with that aspect of, of music. That for me is the, all the rest of the stuff is, you know, you go out, you're young, you want to take on the world, and that's perfectly entitled to all that. But I think just be careful of the psychology. Yeah. Well, like you said, it is that double-edged sword of like there's so much healing in music, but also when you put yourself out there creatively, you know, you put your head above, you, you can get uh, chopped down pretty quickly. But having that robust sort of community around you as well is incredibly important. And, you know, like you said about touring and, and food and, and creating those kind of connections, I see that an awful lot more in the music industry. People are championing, championing one another they're supporting one another there's a greater awareness of say mental health issues within the creative arts I think in Hot Press recently I saw you know there was a, there was a whole issue yes. dedicated to it so there, people are receptive to it they're open to talking about it and I think people are just watching out for you know those moments where people who may seem like they have it all and it's all going so well need that safety net well, without a doubt you could be in a band of, of 12 people and you could be the loneliest person in the world, you know, because of your own anxieties. Things. I read that piece, I read Sai's piece, was beautiful. And they're, they're the kind of people we really need to get moving on. And it's great that these young people are talking about that aspect of the business. Yeah, it makes it a much kinder choice in life uh, when you can have that sort of support around you as a creative artist. Thank you so much for bringing up that really important um, issues to talk about as well. We're going to go back to the music and take a look at the Tradfest theme tune, Stockton's Wing with many friends and a new recording of Beautiful Affair.
closer than before And you wonder why You know in your mind it does no good to hide And the only way is living to survive It makes you feel alive See all the doors swing open your lives and fall That was Stockton's Wing, Beautiful Affair, the newly revamped uh, theme tune for Tradfest this year. And I love the fact that, you know, the two of you as brothers, to have the two of you here chatting about music, about the music business. And um, there's been lovely kind of moments and points of intersection where you played and toured together. And now to see, you know, your involvement in Tradfest as well. Um, that must be a nice sense of achievement and kind of connection to have for the two of you. Well, after I gave up the road, and it's quite some time actually since I played with the band, I've done an odd gig here and there. But after I gave up the road and went uh, in a different direction, we've always kept in touch. Well, we're brothers anyway, but we do keep in touch and kind of keep ourselves up to speed on what's going on in each other's careers, I suppose. And there were opportunities here at Tradfest. I started as artistic director, I suppose, about 10 or 12 years ago. And there were opportunities. Mike joined us for a, a few different events over the years. So we've always kind of kept in touch. And we did a... Actually, I was really delighted to be involved in a gig that we did recently uh, in memory and in honour of Brendan Grace and we toured with Brendan in Australia fantastic memories of that but just to be involved in that way and to see all those other greats let's say from the music scene going back over the years getting together on stage in the Olympia uh, just a couple of weeks ago it was very very special so we do enjoy Mike and I used to play a fair bit I remember Mike used to play the guitar I played the banjo and the mouth organ on a, on a piece of wire do you remember we used to do that at home so we did all did of that Did you ever go out busking in the streets of Venice? 
Say that again. Did you ever go out busking on the streets of Venice? We, we, we did go busking, actually, yeah. We did go busking. We did all that. We actually went out in the randbys. We collected yeah. for charity. We did all of that stuff, you know, when we were growing up. Now, there was a good cohort of people of our own age group. And I know you're wondering which of the two of us is older. And I know Mike looks older, but it's actually me. <laughs> and that was going to be one of your questions. So I got a heavy, a Could you see you a glint in my eye yeah, that I, I was did, going yeah, there? So, yeah, which of them is the older. But we're basically, it was only, we're only a year apart. But there was a fantastic cohort of musicians in Ennis when we were growing up. Uh, I mean, Mike doing a lot of Leonard Cohen songs and stuff like that when I was kind of learning the Sally Gardens yeah. or whatever but it came together eventually at sessions and stuff actually there's one great story uh, which really kind of took the wind out of our sails the local carnival came to town do you remember oh, yeah. Mike yeah. the local carnival came to town <laughs> and they had a talent competition and we were all kind of you know aficionados of the trad so we thought yeah, we'd go over Paul Roach the flute player with the wing the McMahons who were neighbours as well Peter Scarrett all these people around the town we, we all went over and took part in this competition playing these great reels and jigs and hornpipes and Mikey arrived and uh, with the tin whistle and he played Lily the Pink on the tin whistle and, and won the competition. I cleaned the boards. <laughs> he cleaned us all out. And do you want to see the puss on all of them? Entertainment went out in the day, you know. Lily the Pink. And Lily the Pink, very badly played but I, I got every note out and I got the five shillings. Good man, yourself. And speaking of, ta- speaking of talent competitions, because I know that was a big part in how you got your start. It was, yeah, back in 1978. Uh, there was a competition held in Limerick. It was funded by the Guinness. Irish Press. Was it Guinness? Guinness yeah. is in the Irish Press. And they put up, I think it was a 500 quid and a trophy and a record deal. And uh, we came out on top in the triad section. There was a rock section as well. Any Lily the Pink that day? No, I wasn't there. I was too young. Oh. No, there was a band <laughs> took part in the rock section and... They won, I don't know whatever happened to them actually Dublin based band U, U, U2 U2 um, that's Bono. them was it Bono yeah. who said yeah. the lead singer yeah. the Bono yeah, so they yeah. took part in the rock section but uh, you know, they had great potential don't know what happened to them brilliant and of course Ennis saturated in music like there's no there was no way of escaping it but the fact like I love the fact that you said that Mike was you know playing Leonard Cohen songs and you were learning the Sally Gardens and and, yeah. and suddenly it all just kind of well, found its, its Mike, Mike used to perform with uh, Mauro O'Connell and yeah. they had their thing going with a group called Tumbleweed that was them we were doing our trial stuff but we used to always come together on St oh, Stephen's Day in the local in the local no after and after we used to do a concert yeah, yeah we used to do a concert in the local uh, youth club in Ennis and we used to all up on stage together and just let it fly. And speaking of Mara, is it true, um, was it Take a Chance that was her first time in the studio? Was that her first Ever. time to record a song? Ever. We recorded, we recorded demos ourselves uh, in our, our TV, Honan's house. TV was kind of our manager. But we never, were in, we never went to the studio until uh, Stockton's Wing recorded that song and Mara joined me on it. It was great. Good tribute to have her there anyway. And it's a beautiful piece that she sang. Actually, it was quite haunting, that line yeah. that she sang in that song. Yeah. And, and like you've, you've surrounded yourself with incredible female singers. Like you, you mentioned Eleanor Shanley and Leslie Dowdall and, and Maura O'Connell, all of whom have had beautiful careers. You know, they really have, have had a, a gorgeous output of music. Yeah, I, I actually love performing with women. I think their voices are... I just like the sound of the female voice and it allows my guitar to do whatever I want to do with it. And, and we, ha- we have an abundance of amazing female vocalists and performers here in Ireland. I just happen to be so lucky that some of my friends are Maura O'Connell, Eleanor Shandy and Leslie Dowdle. And I'm sure they do feature in the book as well. Yes, they all feature and, and their food features. Yeah. Um, of course, with uh, Eleanor, we've got the old boxy yeah. uh, from her mum. And, uh, and Leslie's quite a, 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 
aficionado at, at uh, Asian food. So, and she lives down there in Wicklow with her husband Enrique. So we have some nice times down there with food and music. Lovely. Um, we could stay chatting here all day about food, music and, and all the in-betweens, but we're going to take another um, recording from Tradfest from last year. Here's Stockton's Wing. They're live from the Workmen's Club. Mike, it's been a true delight having you here today and I've no doubt I'm only one of the many people who are excited about um, your upcoming gig in Tradfest 2020. Stockton's Wing Amongst Friends in Dublin Castle. It's in January as part of Tradfest. Full information on tradfest.ie and don't forget, wherever you are in the world, you can check out Tradfest TV show every Sunday night on TG Cahar, that's TG4 in Ireland, or anywhere in the world anytime on tgcahar.ie So on this Sunday's show, you get to see the amazing live trad from the Greenfields of America, Sheila Freel and Marty Barry, Joseph Mannion and Seamus Fay. And we're going to play out with some of that fantastic set by the Greenfields of America, which TG Cahar or TG4 recorded live at Tradfest in Dublin Castle. You're about to hear them play an extended Reevee set. Until next week's episode of the Temple Bar Tradfest podcast from the Oliver Singen Gogarty, I'm Kieran Hanrahan. And I'm Ruth Smith. And I'm Mike Hanrahan. Thanks a million. Slon. Walking around, coming.
Beautiful affair 